everyone. Hello again. Thanks for listening in here to our Calvary Distinctives 2.0. This is Mike Foch. I'm here with Brian Weed. Hello. And we're continuing our way through Chuck's book, Calvary Distinctives. And we are up to the chapter seven, which is the centrality of Jesus Christ. And in summary, this this chapter, the heading might be a little bit uh, misleading. The the chapter is particularly about the centrality of Jesus Christ in worship. And Chuck will sum up the emphasis of the chapter in the first sentence on page 65, where he says, one of the important characteristics of Calvary Chapel is the centrality of Jesus Christ in our worship. We don't allow any practice or behavior that would distract people from focusing on him. So, you know, biblical basis for that, Matthew 6, 1 says, Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. That's particularly, obviously, in reference to our giving. 2 Corinthians 4, 5 says, We do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your bondservants for Jesus' sake. So again, we see that there in the preaching. And in Revelation 5, that whole scene there, we see Christ in heaven, the center of the worship scene, and... That's particularly in literal worship singing. We literally see. worship. Yeah, literally <laughs> worship the Lamb as the central figure of the worship even in heaven. So there's a lot of other places. I, I don't think the, in terms of the biblical basis of this, there wouldn't be a lot of arguments. Um, but the applications of it are very wide-ranging then. And probably in terms of Chuck's book, this might be the book, the chapter he gives literally the most applications for the the theme so he'll in terms of his own applications how he worked out this principle he'll talk about not allowing people to stand during worship he'll talk about uh interpretive dancers being a distraction he literally tells a story about him forcing a guy to sit down and stop yelling things out i think we all love those stories (laughs) in chuck (laughs) uh people dancing in the aisles people speaking in tongues all these things as things that became distracting from Christ being the central uh, focus of worship during a service. And really, you could almost say this chapter is, a, is an exhortation to have courage to do something about the main principle, because on page 68 and 69, Chuck will say, so it's important that we keep Jesus Christ as a central focus and keep distractions to a minimum. When distractions do take place, deal with them, and if necessary, publicly talk about them. We get to a place where we accept things that are wrong because we don't have the courage to stop them. We're afraid of being accused of quenching the Spirit. I will quench that kind of Spirit, not the Holy Spirit, but the Spirit that is seeking to bring attention to an individual, distracting people from the worship of the Lord. So, great exhortation, Mike, you you hear Chuck talking to pastors and saying it's it's your role as shepherds to oversee we mm-hmm. talk you know, we talk about church government to oversee practically what actually goes on during the worship service and as you were reading that quote from page 68 and 69 the one you just read it's occurring to me that Chuck's assuming as leaders in the church that we can tell the difference between the activity of the Holy Spirit and, and what he calls strange fire. Yeah. Uh, and that's a challenge because why would a minister lack courage to stop something 
it could just be personal courage. I don't want to make people upset and I don't want to tell that brother or that sister to sit down. It could be a spiritual hesitancy. Well, maybe this is the Lord. Um, I'm not saying that nothing, I don't think Chuck would say that nothing unexpected from the Holy Spirit could ever happen in a worship service, sure. but he's pretty clear that in his experience, as a guy who was part of a powerful move of the Holy Spirit, yes. I mean, no one can say that he didn't know the moving of the Holy Spirit. He knew it was his job as a minister to know the difference so that when something started happening, he didn't have to hesitate and go, well, I don't know, is this the Lord? And then lack courage and let something run roughshod over the, over the actual work of the Lord because he didn't know. So it's it's a it's a exhortation to, you got to be able to discern yeah. the spirits. And you would think with this chapter and the way it's kind of laid out that it would make all Calvary chapels really stiff and kind of hard line. But the reality is just about everybody would agree that historically, Chuck was one of the main figures in bringing the contemporary worship scene into the evangelical church. So he he could still see, as an example, that difference of, okay, just because somebody's using a guitar and drums during worship doesn't actually mean they're distracted from worshiping the Lord. And he could allow that to take place and even encourage it in the church. Yeah, it wasn't form for form's sake. It was... Christ is doing something when we're together, know what he's doing and don't allow something to get in the way of that or disrupt that. Yeah, so in Calvary chapels, the the distinctive is we are making sure however our worship is working out, that Christ is still the main focus. What do people leave talking about? Yes, that's a great point. What do people leave thinking about? What are people connected to from our services and again, you could say from him, and I, I hope this is true of most Calvary chapels, it's not, man, the, the the stage was so amazing, or the lights were so amazing, or even the preacher was so amazing. With Chuck, it was the presence of the Spirit and the Word of God. And he was not a particularly amazing character in the sense that he, most people would say, well, I was like a happy, nice, bald guy with a Hawaiian shirt up there. Um, he, he wasn't going to have, you know, millions of Instagram followers in, in the way he looked and things like that. Chuck's chapter is not just about weird movements of the spirit. It's also about, like you said, people that are being loud and distracting. And so you, you end up thinking about everything from, I remember a few years ago, uh, in our neck of the woods in America, there was a guy who got really famous, a pastor in one of the major cities. He's getting written up by, you know, big, pop culture magazines and the and the articles were all about like how good looking he was how cool he was how cool his clothes were uh his the famous movie stars he was hanging out with and i mean i guess if god gives that to you fine but there's one of those things where people were literally going to the church and come away going these people that pastor is so cool as opposed to (laughs) The, the movement of the Spirit, Jesus Christ, is so powerful. Jesus Christ is glorious. Um, we also know that on the other end of things, there's 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 movements and churches where what everyone talks about is the stuff that falls from the ceiling or the amazing sort of events mm-hmm. that happen, we'll say in quotes, in the Spirit. And so what everyone talks about is these cr- this crazy stuff that went down. It could be... It could be stuff that even is admittedly generated 
by the church yeah. itself and the and the and the leadership, or no one can really explain. We don't know what it was. But you just said it. Are they leaving talking about the minister or the event, or are they leaving talking about and thinking about and moving on in the work of Christ on their behalf and in their life? Yeah. And that's probably a really good barometer for where we're at here. Yeah, so this this idea of we are cultivating our service, again, not just the worship, our giving, our singing, and our preaching to keep Christ central, or are we cultivating it to do something else, to stir up emotion, to create an event? And the reality is you you can do that and have success. So there's this book by Watchman Nee called The Latent Power of the Soul. We've been talking about this recently because it's just come up so much. It's kind of a weird book, but well, one of the things Watchman Nee talks about is solical power, and his idea is just you can use natural talent to create something. A person who is skilled, who has charisma, who has natural gifts, you can use all those things to create an experience or to influence people or to cause them to have some type of different ideas about things and they can walk away thinking that's God when really it's just the power of the flesh. Yeah, so again, it's incumbent on the minister to be able to, the, the, the leadership of the church, to be able to discern the difference between not just different spiritual power, so to speak, but the power of humanity, the power of human beauty, culture, music. We got to know the difference because, you know, you can go to a Coldplay concert and feel spiritually moved. Right. But that has nothing to do with the power of the Holy Spirit. And if I don't know the difference between powerful, emotional, or or human spiritual with a lowercase s experiences and the experience of the the holy spirit i won't i won't really be able to 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 navigate in the confusing world and shepherd god's people you know that is a weird book the latent power of the soul he says some crazy things <laughs> but it wouldn't be bad if it just became sort of standard in calvary chapels for the sure. leaderships to read so there's that book mike i know you know both of them the latent power of the soul and it really has a companion book the breaking of the outer man for the release of the spirit so yes, we acknowledge up front, I don't know that I would agree with every detail, Sure. but if you imbibed the basic exhortation, you would be a person who, who would know instinctively, just because an experience feels powerful, it doesn't mean it was God, and I better be able to tell the difference. Yeah, and that can happen either way. You have in the high church kind of settings where you have uh, this kind of beautiful liturgy, literally beautiful buildings, beautiful robes incense, all these things kind of designed to create a certain type of solemn experience, you can lose Christ in the symbols, as many have, and in the low, well, lower church setting, I'll say kind of more like ours, kind of the modern contemporary church, you have what we see, and everybody admits, our personality cults. You have these guys who are just expert preachers who just go up on cool stages, have great lines, very cultivated cultivated props and things that they use. You have certainly the worship experiences created, um, even the big shows like like people can only worship God when there's 20,000 other people there with them. Uh, and And there's all these different things that can be used to create an emotional event, but Christ hasn't been central in the individual heart, which is 
what we constantly want to aim at. And so at Calvary Chapel, we through willing choice will refuse some of those things because it will keep us from actually doing the thing that we want, which is people walking out saying they personally worship the Lord, they personally heard from the Lord. Christ was what was first and foremost in their worship experience one way or another. Yeah, so a lot of churches in our fellowship wouldn't have the money or the resources to generate a large sort of stadium-like worship event anyway. But that's okay, because even those of us that might have those kinds of resources, what we're saying is it seems that the Word of God and the moving of the Spirit in the history of Calvary Chapel has led us to not want to pursue those things with any passion anyway, um, and and you know one of the one of the great guides for me in all this is the first two chapters of First Corinthians, where Paul really lays out that his ministry in Corinth was not characterized by the things the Corinthians would have most wish, wished for in a powerful experience. Paul specifically hones in on, I didn't come to you, first beginning of chapter two, with the wisdom of words, the persuasive words of human wisdom in the New King James. But it's I don't think it's he says that because. Human wisdom specifically is is the ultimate danger, although it, it's there. I think it's because in Corinth, he knew what he's referring to would have been the thing that everyone would have been like, wow, like oratory, right? They were into going. So he says, I could have come and been an, an, or, an orator, but I, I specifically refused to. And his his logic is so powerful, he just says... I didn't come with that. I came with the demonstration of spirit and power as if those two things would cancel each other out. I didn't want your faith to stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And maybe in this day and age, we could say the heart of this chapter in this book and what seems to be a great thing for us to cultivate moving forward with Calvary Chapel is something like we we, di- we didn't want people's faith to stand in the amazing music or the powerful worship experience generated by lights and sound or the amazing slickness of the preacher or his amazing illustrations we wanted their faith and to stand in the power of god and so you you said mike these should be conscious choices to not adopt certain things because not because we hate those things are bad because we're we think the lord is leading us to leave room for the moving of his spirit and we would hate for other things to crowd it out yeah and we believe that the reality is when we get to a point where we have to substitute these other things in, it's because of what we're lacking, not because of what we have. It's almost, that's what the church of Laodicea did. They they thought they had all these things, so they were full. And really, Jesus was saying, no, you're poor, blind, miserable, you're naked. The, you are lacking. That's your problem. So we're we're substituting these emotional things because we're actually lacking that heart worship with Christ. We wouldn't need those things if we had the central thing. And we believe that that central thing comes through the simple work of the Spirit of God through his word and what he's doing in hearts and lives organically that we can't actually manufacture it through fleshly means. So are a lot of these things, again, like you said, sinful in and of themselves, not necessarily, but they do become sinful when we substitute them for what the thing we actually need is. And as shepherds, we begin to harm people. Yes. If we make them think that this is the thing you're coming to our service for, when they actually need to be finding the Lord individually 
him first and foremost, and not walking away with thoughts of, like you said, the music, how good the coffee was, you know, like even the friendships, even all those things, Christ still has to be first and foremost. And if he's not, then all those secondary things can't make up for the misplacement of the primary thing. Yeah, it has effects for the body of Christ because if the leadership of the church is leading the body of Christ to think that these things that we can generate on our own are the moving of God, people, we might lead them to not be able to tell the difference. It has effects on us as leaders because if what we're saying is what we're after cannot be bought with money and planned in a weekly planning session yeah. and ordered and generated, well, then obviously it immediately realizes that drives us back on dependence on the Holy Spirit, yeah. dependence on God, prayer. God, we don't want to generate your presence with a machine yeah, because that's not your presence, which means all we can do is ask you to come and be among us and faithfully do the things you said we needed to do that you would reward with your work. Yeah. Yeah, and I think Chuck was smart too than he even used the word courage because it does take courage to rely on the Lord and not these other things. It's like the whole Bible, am I relying on the arm of man or on the Lord? And it always takes courage to rely on the Lord and to look around at other churches, particularly in our day and age, you can see more than ever and see a lot of, we'll, we'll say so-called success or things working, a stadium filled with people, or people talking positively about these things, or even having people come to your church wanting what they're seeing somewhere else in the world to say, no, we're going to do things this way or keep things simple because we want to keep the focus on Christ, that's going to take courage. It's not going to always be easy. Yeah, and it probably it starts with something like the deep conviction when you're talking to someone and they're saying, why don't we do X, Y, Z, to think, I know you can go down the street to the stadium and have a powerful experience, but you, what you won't get is the Spirit of God there. And I'm I'm just going to work, you know, we can think, I'm just going to make it my aim that when you come here on Sunday morning, Wednesday nights, whenever, that you would encounter the Spirit of God. And so that, that turns into like, wow, we have some marching orders. Yeah. Yeah, so I think in Calvary Chapel again, hopefully... Each Calvary is going to be distinctive because they're going to think, okay, in the way we give, and I think a lot of Calvaries are sensitive in the giving section. We don't push the money because we want Christ to be central, not the church or anybody else, and a lot of people have been harmed in that way, and that's kind of an easier one. But in terms of worship and the preaching, I think it's more and more difficult to say, no, we could do that other thing, but we are going to choose to just simply preach the Word of God and simply worship God as a congregation. However, he allows us to do that. Sure. You know? And I think this is where Chuck's thing came in in terms of like contemporary music and whatnot. You realize that wasn't distracting. Um, but we're, we're going to keep the focus there, even though we could do these other things, because it's our way to cultivate a focus on Jesus as opposed to anything else. So... Hope that's helpful for you guys. Um, and, uh, you know, pretty simple point here, but certainly wide ranging in terms of the application, how it plays out in our current church world. So thanks for listening in. Uh, see you on the next episode. See you.